here. I have to do this uh, introduction because we might have new people today. You found the Professor Penn podcast and thank you for coming. And we started out with um, live music. Uh, you know, there isn't a lot of good live music anymore. I, I hope you like live music. I love live music because it's live and uh, there's no chance to go back. You have to really be in the moment and you have to uh, give over to the experience. You have to be skilled enough to do the deal. That's, that's part of that secret society part. You have to practice if you're going to lay down a live track because you have to have the, the chops to do it. I mean, it's just great to watch it. And then the message, wake up and live. Wake up and live. Wake up and live. That's a great message, and I... 1979, it affected me, so I wanted, to, I wanted to have a little music to start the podcast today. I want to thank Free People Radio. It's fantastic that we have a, a platform to reach out and to communicate together. It's just, um, it's, it's a miracle. This is kind of a miracle, right? It's a scientific miracle. You know, I'm not anti-science. I'm anti-getting killed. Uh Tiregut.com. Tire is another scientific benefit. Freedom of movement. All the tires you'd ever need are at Tiregut.com, and you get to fund this movement, and we are a movement. We're, we've come together. I, I saw it with my own two eyes at the last CD3 convention. We're a movement, and uh, we're going to grow this movement. I mean, now I, I, I was really kind of depressed because I thought that... Uh, well, there's the four doors, right? Four doors. There's just four doors. You got to you got to take a door. There used to be a uh, a show on it. I think it was The Price Is Right. I I'll have to look it up. We'll play a clip sometime. But there was three doors. You got to choose amongst three doors. But that was for television. They probably didn't have enough money to put the fourth door on the set. So you know, three doors. There's actually four doors. There's wisdom. There's wickedness. There's being simple 
And then there's being unable to inquire. Four doors. And I was really, you know, I was, you know, depressed because uh, I just wasn't seeing things happening. I wasn't seeing that wisdom bubble up. But boy, it's bubbling up. I saw it at the convention and, and uh, I'm still in awe of those people that stood up and, and voted down tyranny. It actually was tyranny. You know, dressed up, you know, put, you know, there's lipstick. You know, there was lipstick on it, right? I mean, there was. They, they used very good legal language. We got a lot of attorneys hanging around, right? But basically what they were saying was, is if you don't agree with us, we reserve the right to throw you out. And that's not politics in America. That's tyranny. That's the tyranny of the uni party putting its little jackboot at the local level down on the people in the neighborhoods. Stay in line. The people stood up and said, no, we're not going to do that. And I think everybody needs to, to learn from this all over the country in every neighborhood that we can organize and be political, have a movement, and restore, refresh, rebuild, regrow all the things that are good, all the things that bring life and, and well-being. So thanks to Tire Get, Tire's another scientific technic. We love to get around everything you need, fund the movement. and then. When you go someplace, maybe you want to think about finding a political party to participate in. PrecinctStrategy.com, a tutorial on everything you need to know to get in the game and a way to communicate with people in your local area and, you know, build some uh, community. It's fantastic. So I have to start out today with a really serious, uh, I mean, I can't get any more serious. I got to talk to you about this. I mean. We the people, that would be us. Tanner, can you hit that timer for me, please? Thank you. So we the people, we the people, are perceived by a country with nuclear weapons. We are perceived, that'd be us, that'd be me and you, us. I mean, do you agree with me? We are the people of the United States of America. Are you American? I'm American. The people in Russia believe we tried to bomb their capital. Yes. And I actually um, talked to one political activist, and she told me she doesn't watch the news anymore. Okay, great. I get it. The news can brainwash you. But when you're not paying attention, how can you be in politics? I mean, that's kind of obvious, right? Because that's what politics is. It's not a party. We're here to govern, to self-govern. And uh, we have to be uh, aware of what's going on in the world. And we have to be relevant in our own neighborhoods. So what's more relevant than we the people? Well, here, Tanner, can you just play these uh, next two bits, the BBC on the attack and then the attack itself? This is fantastic. Let's just let's let the news tell us all about it. In case you didn't see it on the mainstream media news here. Go ahead, please. Uh, let's go back now to the uh, war in Ukraine, because uh, while we've been on air, we have heard that Russia has accused Ukraine of launching two drone attacks on the Kremlin in Moscow overnight. Russian officials have called it an attempt on President Putin's life, and they've described it as a terrorist act. Uh, let's get the latest on that from our Russia editor, Steve Rosenberg, 
who's uh, live in Moscow for us this lunchtime. Steve, what more can you tell us? Well, just a few minutes ago, the Kremlin press service issued this well, pretty dramatic statement claiming that overnight there had been this Ukrainian drone attack on the residence of the Russian president in the Kremlin. Uh, Vladimir Putin is not believed to have been there at the time. His work schedule continues as normal. So I'm just reading from the statement uh, right now. It says that there were two drones um, that tried to attack the Kremlin. They were intercepted uh, by the Russian military and special services uh, and put out of action. Um, as you mentioned, uh, Moscow says that this was a terrorist attack uh, and sees it as an assassination attempt on the life of the Russian president and reserves the right to respond where and when um, the authorities consider necessary. That's the latest from Moscow. Steve, thank you very much. For well, that's from the BBC, not an unbiased source. But let's take a look at the attack. It's uh, actually... That's closed caption television. I mean, you know, it's the capital of Russia. You got this one for us, Tanner? Great. This is really interesting. So this is a, a view of the Kremlin. And uh, there's the moon in the background. And here comes the drone, and voila! It gets hit by uh, defense. Here's a replay. Here comes the drone again. And it's eliminated. Thank you, Tanner. That building, that building is the is part of the Kremlin, and uh, it's where the Russian president Putin lives. He lives there. Vladimir Putin lives there. So what have what have we the people done? And when I say we the people, I mean as far as the Russians are concerned, this is that four cornered intersection again. Okay. Now I know most of the American people are not paying any attention to this at all, which I think is, you know, something I want to talk about soon. It's kind of stunning. But uh, for those of us that are paying attention at any level, the hair needs to be, you know, standing up on, on the back of your neck. That is an attack on the president of a country with nuclear weapons who lives in that complex that's called the Kremlin, which is like their Washington, D.C., it's an attack on their capital. Now, I saw it in the news today. The Western intelligence services are putting out it's a false flag. I mean, what would they have done if this worked and Putin had got killed? Taking a victory lap? You know, the whole thing is just to mess with your mind, okay? Putin has clearly been trying to de-escalate this war for months. Oh, they're going to say that's not true. No, they won the war. They've turned the Ukrainian army into hamburger. They need reinforcements to keep going. They're getting them. They need to be rearmed. Our government, that would be us, we the people, just approved $300 million that we don't have for more weapons yesterday. I mean, it's just kind of like this unending draining of what's left of our money. So when you're out there and you're sitting on a little stack of cash, when I say a little stack of cash, I don't know, maybe less than 50 million because, hey, when it takes 5 million bucks to buy a loaf of bread, what's 50 million? This fiat currency system, they're draining out the rest of your cash. And where's it going? It's 
going to the people that make weapons. And the inventory's turning real fast right now, really quickly. They got the real good spin going while everything else slows down. That would be called war. You ever remember this one? Guns and butter? There's guns and butter. We're on the gun side of the equation now. Butter's going to get scarce. Okay, American people. That'd be, a, that'd be me. We attacked. We. Because on that, that intersection, Well, you know, I just know Russian people, okay? And uh, the Russian people have a very clear idea about who they are and what's going on in the world relative to we the people. Because we the people have either tuned out or we've gone down a rabbit hole. We don't know our history. We're watching media sources that are, to be kind, not necessarily well-rounded. And all of my Fox News watching friends, Tucker's gone. What you going to do? Okay? If you liked him, where do you think he's going to end up? Well, it's going to be like that CD3 convention. He's going to be standing with the people. Because that's why they threw him off, right? But the Russians, they know, I mean, I have to tell you, it, they know what's going on. I, I want to tell you, they think I did it. That would be me. You, us, we did it. They know the Ukrainians fall in an instant with, without us. With, they're, they're fighting the United States of America. That's their orientation. And they're not wrong, right? I mean, it's our money, it's our weapons, it's our training, it's our global governance outlook of globalism, it's our strategy. Well, when I say ours, there's a way out of here, right? This is not the strategy of we the people. I, you know, my family's from the Ukraine, but I have to tell you, my ties with the Ukraine, my Ukraine privileges have been revoked. I'm not going back. And that's, you know, well, why? Half my family was killed there. I don't want to go back. I, I live in the United States of America, right? My Ukraine privileges have been revoked. Where are you from? Do you know? I mean, in your family history, you say, well, I'm, you know, this one was from here, and uh, this one's French, and I don't even know if people, Tanner, do people even do that anymore? Do they have any sense where they're from? It is. Okay, so Tanner's 22 and he's telling me that a lot of his generation is using Ancestry.com to look up where they're from. So they're sending their genetic material into a database to be digitized and analyzed. Okay, it's a trade. You'll tell me where I'm from, and I'll know everything about you. That's not a trade I will make, okay? I'm keeping my, my, my genetic information to myself, thank you. But I'm not saying he's wrong to do it. People want to know where they're from. My family, I know exactly where I'm from. Going back generations and generations and generations. And then we're going to talk about that today. 
But this Ukraine thing, I, you know, I'm, I'm just stunned by uh, what, what's going on here. We could be all dead tomorrow. We've, we, the people, have just attacked the Washington, D.C. You know, I was talking to my young friend Tanner when I said the Kremlin. I mean, if you don't know what the Kremlin is, that's cool. Why should you? But now I think it's important that everybody understands that's the White House and the capital of Russia in Moscow, their capital city, and you just watched footage of a drone laden with C4 explosives that was exploded. One more second, it would have hit the building. And as I was saying, our intelligence services are now saying it, it could have been a false flag. Putin attacked himself. But why? He's been trying to de-escalate. He's been trying to de-escalate. In fact, the UN is going to Moscow in a very few days to renew the Russian brokered grain deal so that food can still get out of the region so people don't starve to death in Africa where that, that grain goes. He has, you know, it's only recently started to escalate because it's the so-called spring offensive of the Ukrainian army. I mean, they're going to go for it. And when I say they, I mean we. We're paying for it. And it's our ideology. Just, let's just get this straight. When I say our, it's not mine. It's the English. It's the English political, economic, geographic theory of who controls the world, the world island. It's the Mackinder theory, which the Chinese have bought into. That's what their whole Belt and Road Initiative is about, is getting their goods to Europe over land and avoiding the sea and a possible confrontation with the United States Navy, which is quite a formidable force of very high technology. So they just want to bypass it. And while they're bypassing it, they're putting all these countries on the payroll because instead of giving them paper for things they want to buy, they have something to sell to them. They're actually providing a product of finished goods and infrastructure to all these countries as they work their way across the world island. And who controls the heartland, according to McKinder, who was on the payroll of the crown, and those people went all through the you know, academic institutions, and they came over here. They've been teaching generations after generations of scholars this idea. And, oh, it's so relevant now. So they're having a throwdown over who controls the Ukraine. And if you look at the history of the Ukraine, this thing's been a, you know, it's been a battleground for thousands of years. Has nothing to do with me. I am not interested in dying over this issue. It really is not my fight. We, the people, have been sold an idea of world governance, of NATO, of the Atlantic Charter. There was an entire worldview that we lived in, that we are still living in, about how the world is supposed to work. But the world is changing very rapidly, and if we're, you know, I just want to ask you, I mean, how do you want the world to be? That, that's really the question. What we're really talking about is what is the nature of American freedom and how do we want to handle our suffering? I mean, do we want to be free and do we want to suffer for these people? 
because they got us saddled up like a mule and they've had for a very long time us doing their bidding. This is the third time in just over 100 years that we've gone to war for the Europeans. Why? We fought two wars to get divorced from these people. Apparently, we just couldn't get the job done. I want to be divorced from this. This is not my fight. It's not. These people have nothing in common with me, with me. And we know that at that CD3 convention, because we had a certain group of people that do have an allegiance to this European humanism that's at work here, that the Russians are fighting, which we can talk about more. What's going on? we got to make this simple. It's very complicated unless you really delve into it. But remember, um, do you remember this one? I do. The truth shall set you free. The truth shall set you free. That does not mean you'll be free like out of bondage or like free you're going to be in heaven. It means the truth will set you free of the illusions, the lies and the manipulations that bind us and control our thinking here in this world. Once we know the truth, when we see clearly the truth, we're free. It does not mean we're in a good place. But if you don't understand a problem, how can you ever solve it? So, why won't people engage? <laughs> That's kind of a baseline right there. Tanner, could you play this next cut for me and stop, you know, and, and stop it at 47 seconds, please? Matrix is a system, Neil. That system is our enemy. When you're inside, you look around, what do you see? Businessmen, teachers, lawyers, carpenters, the very minds of the people we are trying to save. But until we do, these people are still a part of that system, and that makes them our enemy. You have to understand, most of these people are not ready to be unplugged. And many of them are so inert, so hopelessly dependent on the system, that they will fight to protect it. Were you listening to me, Neo? Or were you looking at the woman in the red dress? I was... Look again. Freeze it. That movie is just eerie. <laughs> I don't know if they put that movie out to prime us for the moment we're in, or it's determined the future course of history, or the people that wrote it were just enormously awake and alive, you know, as Bob Marley was singing, wake up and live. Maybe they just woke up and they could look 20 years into the future. And, you know, that's, you know, that's really very, you know, some people have that skill, right? Wisdom, wickedness, simplicity, no capacity to inquire. You know, um, we have to know where we are in this thing. And the people that are wise, and one of the gifts of, of wisdom, I think, and I, you know what, it's something that we can acquire. Wisdom is an acquired skill. It takes practice, like they do in secret societies. But people have an uncanny ability. Certain people have a phenomenal ability to see into the future to extrapolate from where we are and then, you know, make a prediction 
And you know, if you can do that in business, you make a lot of money. But if you do it in art, your art is enduring and timeless. That seems just timeless. Because what, what Morpheus is telling Neo is that people are so hopelessly dependent on the system, they will fight to defend it. They're plugged into that constructed reality. And you know, when we talk about uh, secret societies, these people are magicians, okay? I mean, what we're really living in, what I'm living in, what I've been waking up from, is a magician's trick. And uh, I'm frustrated that, you know, it took me a long time to wake up. So the first thing I want to say, if people are not, they look at me and they think I'm wearing a tinfoil hat or, I don't wouldn't want anybody to feel bad because I know I, I certainly am not done learning and growing. So we're all, you know, I'm on this continuum of growth and I've been, you know, fairly dedicated to it for a very long time. If you're not going to do that, then you're just, you're just cannon fodder. You're not going to wake up. You're, that's a choice. And of course, if you're watching this, obviously you're, you're in the game, you're playing, you know, it's our power. As you know, we the people, it's our power that they've convinced us that we have no power. It's like this um, activist that, that said she didn't watch the news. I mean, she's in the party. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't fault her. She's struggling to live her life, and it's overwhelming. And, you know, the news, you know, there's, it, she's, she's not wrong. It's out to brainwash you, but you've got to know what's going on. And what's going on here? is that the people are not engaging. The people, the American people, generally speaking, are not engaged at all with any of the real issues because we keep getting distracted. I, you know, I look in the newspaper, oh, another shooting. Oh, boy, somebody got shot. Yeah, people are getting shot everywhere. That's not the real issue. That is a diversion. That is a magician's trick. Yes, it is horrible that people are so demoralized. They're demoralized. They're demoralized. They have no morals and values. They have not been taught the morals and values that are associated with the sanctity of life. Oh, I'm using a dog whistle. Let me get this off my chest. For all the people that want to argue about this right to life thing versus a woman's right to choose, this is another magician's trick. We're tricked. We, the people, have been tricked into a fight that has divided us and made us hate each other since 1973. Of course people are going to disengage when everything is a fight that can never be solved. A good person is going to disengage because after all, what difference does it make? There's no pro progress. There's no, there's no community, the community being pulled apart, families being broken apart. I mean, it's right in Matthew. You know, father-in-law will be turned against son-in-law and mother-in-law against daughter-in-law. I did not come to bring peace, but I came to bring a sword. I mean, this is, this is another thing about reading the Bible. I mean, you can discredit it and think it's a fairy tale, but it's got a lot of very interesting prognostications about the future like the matrix but the matrix was 1999 it's 
2023. So we're talking about 24 years. Let's try a book that's, you know, 1900 years into the future relevant. Let's not discredit wisdom before we've experienced it. It's like me. I've gone into the Republican Party as an officer, you know, not because, uh, how shall I say this? I want to know for myself what's going on. I want to check out the real situation. I would not judge something unless I personally experienced it because that would make me, you know, somebody else's bitch to be direct about it. I want to paddle my own canoe. I want to experience it for myself. And what have I determined? People are not engaged. The magicians are tricking us. Like this right to life thing, the sanctity of life. Okay, great. So we're going to focus all this religious energy that goes back thousands of years on 20-year-old women And we're going to tell them how to live. And we're going to push them away from the very faith that they might need because they're free. They want to be free. And this whole fight's going on. And we're polarized. And men, twice their age and older, have created a stockpile, an inventory of nuclear weapons that can destroy all the life on the planet like that. We don't talk about that one. Oh, no, no, no. Hey, hey, hey. We like that one, right? <laughs> I mean, we paid for it. It's one of our greatest prides, my generation. The nuclear deterrence. Oh, all those planes. You know, I know pilots, you know, military pilots. You know, these guys are, you know, they're kind of special, right? Flying around with nuclear bombs. Yeah. Oh, I know several submariners, you know, that are floating around in boats with nuclear weapons on them. I mean, these people are, you know, they're heroes, right? We're protecting, as a society, as a culture, we're not even dealing with the fact that we've created a humongous, massive stockpile. I've paid for it. We paid for it. We believe in it, of nuclear weapons that will kill every person on the planet, or at least we're told that it will. That life will, there'll be nothing left but just a remnant, like the road warrior. Or maybe everybody will be dead. We have that kind of power. And we paid for it, and we've lived with it for decades and decades and decades and decades. And during those same decades, we've demonized the left and young women because they want the right to choose. That's a, this is a magician's trick. You know, yes, every life is sanct, and I, you know, I'm just going to go on the record. You know, I believe in the sanctity of life, but I don't believe in demonizing young women when we've got scientists that are staying up nights trying to figure out how to kill everyone. We're, we're fighting the wrong fight. That's a magician's trick. And that's why people are not engaged. They're not engaged because we're not telling each other the truth. That's why the Russians and the Chinese have such a tremendous advantage over me. Because they're, and I've, you know, I've been there, okay? I've talked to these people. They know what's going on. Now, they're seeing it from their corner, 
And I'm not saying I agree with their ideologies necessarily. And in fact, I do not. Let me just be direct about it. That doesn't mean I can't learn from them or listen to them or or gain their perspective on, on what my country, what we the people are doing. We can change. But those people, the Russians and the Chinese, they get a much greater truth from their leadership as regards politics and world affairs. They get less propaganda. I don't say they don't get any propaganda. They get propagandized. But, you know, the penalty for not agreeing over there is very, very, very immediate and very stark. So they have, you know, they've got everybody kind of in a pew where everybody's reading out of the same prayer book. They're all reading out of the same prayer book. And that prayer book tells them about globalism and the post-World War II democratic liberal order. And they see liberalism and Nazism as being the same thing. You know, we played a little Bob Marley last time. Couldn't believe that line. You know, he was actually speaking against equal opportunity in the 70s. You know, Bob Marley was singing, you can't educate me about your equal opportunity. He's talking about my freedom. People's freedom and liberty. Okay. I mean, this is, this is in the 70s. This, man, this man's looking way into the future. That's why I keep playing his music. You know, I want, I want to share it with you because I think it's, it's so relevant that it's moving. And when artists create that kind of enduring relevancy, it's not personal. They're channeling information out of the real web because there's a real web that people learn how to use and live in and function in in these secret societies. And the cornerstone is truth. Truth. Gandhi said it. We talked about it. The truth shall set you free. Jesus Christ said it. Thou shalt not lie as a commandment. The whole, in the whole cornerstone of Western civilization rests on self-discovery based on a search for truth. And suddenly we woke up here in America and we're buying lies wholesale. They're selling us lies wholesale because we're buying them. We the people want to buy the lie. And that's what's got to change. And the way to change it is very simple. More and more people telling the truth. I mean, I know you're a truth teller. I know it. We're going to the people we love and our friends, and we're telling the truth because we want to wake up and live. We the people just bombed the capital of a nuclear power. We need to wake up and live. All we have to do is start telling the truth to everyone. This can change very quickly. Because the reason there's Darwinism is we do have a survival energy. We do. It's moderated through faith and turned into a beautiful mix, a yin and yang mix. But it's time if you want to live, wake up. Got to wake up. And that's why I'm doing politics. That's just why I'm doing politics. That is why I'm doing politics here in Minnesota, in Congressional District 3. You know, an officer of the party. 
let me tell you, let me, let me share a clip that really, you know, it's not perfect, but it's close. Can you play this next clip, please? Freedom is never uh, safeguarded peacefully. Anyone who is depriving you of freedom isn't deserving of a peaceful approach uh, by the ones who are being deprived of their freedom. The only way you can get freedom is to get it the same way the white man in this country got it from England, or uh, he says he got it from England. He was willing to pay the price for freedom. When, when you're willing to pay the price for freedom, then you'll get it. But the Negro in this country has never been willing to pay the price for his freedom. The only way you can have peace is to eliminate those injustices, and the American white man is not going to eliminate them. He's going to talk that pretty talk, but he'll still continue to practice those inhuman deeds. You know, Tanner, I'm going to ask you to play it one more time. One more, please. Freedom is never uh, safeguarded peacefully. Anyone who is depriving you of freedom isn't deserving of a peaceful approach uh, by the ones who are being deprived of their freedom. The only way you can get freedom is to get it the same way the white man in this country got it from England, or uh, he says he got it from England. He was willing to pay the price for freedom. When, when you're willing to pay the price for freedom, then you'll get it. But the Negro in this country has never been willing to pay the price for his freedom. The only way you can have peace is to eliminate those injustices, and the American white man is not going to eliminate them. He's going to talk that pretty talk, but he'll still continue to practice those inhuman deeds. Boy, there's a lot there, right? So this is why I'm doing politics. First of all, if you listen to what Malcolm X is saying, it's, you know, it's just almost a perfect bit. He's reminding us that freedom, there's a price to be paid for freedom. Why people don't wake up, they don't want to pay the price until it's totally taken away from them. And then what Malcolm X said, if someone's trying to take away your freedom, you don't owe them. Uh, there's no rules. If someone is trying to enslave you, they, they are not living by any rules. They're humanists. See, that's what just happened over in the Kremlin. When you drop a bomb on a capital of a nuclear power, we've left any semblance of rules. There are no rules governing human conduct right now. We've entered a new era of pure humanism. This is a Darwinist fight to see who's the baddest. Okay, so why am I doing politics? I'm trying to draw out the distinction and share and build this community with you where we understand what's going on. We, we really, the truth is setting us free. We know there's humanism. It's a religion. And it is dominated. It has supplanted the Judeo-Christian roots of our culture. And it's an unfettered attempt to evolve the species through the intellect of man. And they're magicians. Here's what their trick is. This is why I'm doing politics. They are saying that the people who are of faith are from a primitive time, that they're evolving the human psyche and species. And they make the people that follow them, this would be the left, believe that they're better than the people that believe in God. The people that believe in God are judgmental. They're, you know, they're racists, anti-Semites xenophobes, homophobes. They're, they're, they're not good people if they believe in God because all those 
attributes of judgment are associated, and they've, they've won that argument, right? So the people that are ad- adhering to that, that place of judging against the people of faith, they think they're superior. They hold that their race is superior and another's inferior. Oh, what they believe is is that they're moving past inequity. They're being sold the belief that social equity is a movement past slavery, but it's not. It's a magician's trick. It's not. Because at the base of this thing is the will to survive, and the Darwinists do not care how they win. They just want to win. So they're using all these people and making them believe that they have a superior ideology But it's the same ideology of the primitive. You see, now here's the scam. They're saying that religious people have primitive beliefs. We heard Burton Russell say it. Primitive beliefs. And the people of the Old Testament were primitive in their beliefs. And that's why we have the New Testament, which is a whole other story we're going to get to later. But these Darwinists have the most primitive belief that the will to survive— the struggle to survive breeds a more successively fit individual. So they've repackaged it such that people don't even know that they've got the most primitive of beliefs. They're judging against the religious as primitive as they exalt the most primitive belief that's ever been. Man's will to live, to survive, to overcome, to conquer. It's a scam. It's just a scam. And, you know, we have to start to look at those, and we have, you know, they're hard to explain, they're hard to listen to. Some are easier. Cigarettes. Let's blame all the cancer on cigarettes. When we live in a completely toxic environment, let's blame young women regarding this sanctity of life issue when we have an entire institutional infrastructure of universities and science that just creates progressively more genocidal weapons. These are lies. All we got to do is tell the truth. That's why I'm in politics. So, you know, as regards my, my sojourn here in the party, um, members of secret societies are very good at keeping the people in line these magicians' tricks. So there's all these, you know, cultural rules in the party, like we don't do that here. That's not what we do here. Why? Well, we don't do that here. Well, I'd like to discuss politics. No, we don't do that here. I, I thought this was a political organization. It is. Our job is to elect politicians to office. Okay, I get that. I get that it is. But why don't we talk about politics? We don't do that here. You know, this kind of stuff, this is a magician's trick, right? Oh, we have all these rules about how we do things. We have all these activities we're supposed to do. You know, it's like a bunch of busy work, right? It's like evolving. It's like taking a bunch of politically active and interested people who could get off the reservation if you didn't organize them in a secret society and give them tasks that make them irrelevant. And then they sit around and wonder, why do we lose? Well, you're given one task after another, 
I'm asked to do one thing after another that's just meaningless. And we think we're doing something. Another trick. Take a person and give them something that's really meaningless and tell them it's important. And you're giving meaning to them to their lives, but nothing ever gets accomplished. I would like to see something get accomplished. So, you know, um, we have a status quo in this country, and it's generated $32 trillion in debt and the Virgin Nuclear War. You know, it's got to go. Sorry, I've experimented with this thing, and I recognize how this works. So again, how we fix it is we just t- start telling each other the truth. I No, I'm not saying it's the truth. Please don't. We're not going to be cultists here. My best attempt with all the powers and skills that God granted me to set myself free of illusion and then share it with you and then listen to your side of the story. I want to hear what you have to say. I, that's what this whole political thing is about, is about getting together. This medium's a little strange. Well, this, my dream is to make this, this that's not a dream. It's actually a reality. You know, if you're spying on me, those green shirts, some of them came from me. They're my children. So we've got people working all over the state that are now, you know, really changing the nature of the discourse, which is a good thing. That's why they're trying to step on us. But it's over. I mean, it's over for that. That's done. They've already, that's why we talked about truth commissions. Because, you know, if these people are just simple, or wicked. That's not for me to judge. That's for them to tell us when the time comes in exchange for their freedom. Because this thing is a system-wide, a societal-wide perversion of the truth, and people are going to wake up and start to figure this out just by talking truth to each other. So as regards here in Minnesota, the problem we face, there, there's two things going on here. Number one, the thing itself. The thing itself. The brand is defined by the enemy as racist, anti-Semitic, xenophobic, and uh, homophobic. That's a pretty toxic brand. You know what people would normally do in that, in that circumstance is shut that brand down and start with a new one. And there are many people that think that way. And they, they ultimately may prevail. I mean, this thing could be so ruined that, and of course, if we're not going to stand up for it, if we, the people, are not going to stand up for a philosophy that is really about human freedom and human well-being and rebrand it and fight back against the enslavers who had the magician, they just pulled a magician's trick and we fell right into it. Why did we fall right into it? Well, we do have racists in our midst. We do have anti-Semites in our midst. We do have homophobes and xenophobes. We do. We actually do. So it's easy to brand some, rebrand something in a negative way when there's an element of truth in it. And then all of the human effort towards freedom and well-being and the sacrifices that have been made by millions of people to uh, preserve and protect a spiritual orientation on this planet just gets washed away. That's that magician's trick. Environmentalism, social equity, democracy, trumps 
Kind of an interesting word, right? Faith. People of faith. People who live by faith. They're no good. So they won. So what does the Republican Party do? Well, let's get this faith thing done. I have to tell this. I, you know, I, t- I, I you go to these meetings and I'm asked to pray. Okay, people walk up to me. We really wish you wouldn't pray. Okay, yeah, I'm going to listen. But share that with me. What a beautiful conversation. Uh, he, he was what uh, uh, Royce White calls a Judeo-Buddhist. He was born Jewish and he became a Buddhist. And it was interesting to talk to him. And he wanted me to stop praying. And I said, why? And he said, and then it got really interesting. He really shared with me that he believed in the separation of church and state. And I listened to him because, you know, listening is really, it's really important that we listen one to another and care about each other. And, um, he, you know, then it came out because I'm giving him a space to be a human being because I want a community that we care about each other. And he said, you know, he really basically asked me if I believed in God or if there was a God. And those are the kind of conversations that really is the best of politics because now we're uh, given a chance and a window in time to contribute to someone's well-being. What an honor that was for me. I'll never forget that as long as I live. And... um, People don't want to pray. They don't want to see the truth. They want to believe that secular humanism is secular, when in fact that's a magician's trick. That word secular, another trick. It's a religion of humanism that is praying constantly and has a strong ideology and is prevailing, and then we have these people that don't want to pray back. They want to disarm us so that we are even further penetrated by this humanism. Another magician, that's another trick. So uh, these people are very well-trained, and they are magicians, and we just have to tell the truth. So we have to rebrand this party. Um, You know, I want this to go out to all, you know, I'd like this to go to 10,000 party members in Minnesota, and I'm going to accomplish that. We have to rebrand the party, and we have to do politics in the party such that we have a product we want to sell. If you do not have a brand and you do not have a product, you have nothing to sell. And that's why you lose. They have a brand, the democratic liberal order, the post-World War II democratic liberal liberal order. You know, social equity, environmentalism, democracy. I mean, this thing is very well packaged from top to bottom. The entire cohort agrees on it. So what are we doing over here on the, the other side? We got those people in the, in the Republican Party that are fighting for the Republican Party to become the Democrat Party because they want to have low taxes, which makes them even more Democrat because they're focused on the material. Okay, this is a party that is focused on the spiritual aspects of the, you know, conservative. We're conserving the tie all the way back to Abraham, which we're going to talk about in today. So we need that brand. We need that platform. We need that platform that appeals to 70% of the people, not 50-50. Get that scam out of your head. The people are not 50-50. They're 50-50 because someone's making them 50-50. If we come up with a message that's attractive, it'll be 70-30. We've got to sell something that people want to buy, okay? Basics of business. Now, 
we got a new thing. I want to end with this because I want to say something controversial. We've got this new ballot out, ballot in thing going on. It's all the rage. I will decode it for you because I don't, you know, I'm going to give you the truth. What that's saying is the leadership, which has no message and no brand, is telling the membership, work harder. You must work harder. And if you work harder, we're going to win. Okay. That's called taking the last of the Mohicans and whipping them. This is the slave mentality. It's called slavery. Okay. They don't have a message. They don't have a brand. And I'm supposed to go out and chase people down. I even had somebody in the party say this to me. The message doesn't matter. I'm supposed to chase people down, chase them down, and make them vote. Okay. Number one, I'm one of the best phone people that ever lived. I'm a great phone salesman. You can tell I can talk. I want to share this with you. I've, you know, I'm good at this. The best. And in my entire career, I've only met a handful of people that can do what I do. And what the party is telling me to do is to use all my power and all my skills to track people down that won't answer the phone, won't call me back. If they pick up the phone and I identify myself, I run the risk of, you know, a civil rights beef, okay? And if we win, great. Wonderful. But if we lose, if we lose, I didn't work hard enough. The failure is my fault. And if we lose, those election treasury and people are going to say, see, told you, it doesn't matter how you work, how hard you work until we fix the elections, more give up. More get the message doesn't matter, and the message doesn't matter. So ballot out, ballot in. Set up to be the cause of the defeat, being set up, asked to work harder, to overcome the failure of leadership, okay? And the implicit judgment is, it doesn't matter. Only those ballots matter. Everybody's saying that. So we're grinding, we're, we're, we're being tricked. This is another magician's trick. When you wake up, you won't be tricked. They're not that smart. They're smart, but once you start tugging on their little thread there, and then the emperor has no clothes, just like that. But you got to do the work. Remember in the Matrix, you have to see it for yourself. You can't hear it from me. You got to go do the research. But what they're really doing is tricking us to believe that we got to work really hard to stay at 50-50. What we need is a 70-30 message. Everyone that wants to live, everyone that wants to die, let's line up and see who's on whose team. That's what we got to sell. That's a message, right? Well, let's see where this is really going on because this battle's going on. And sometimes when you, you look out of your own backyard, like it's hard to see a fight and understand it, you got to go look at somebody else doing the same thing. And then it's really, really clear. It's kind of like, well, it's like a bad marriage. I mean, you get caught in a bad marriage and uh, you have no idea what the hell's happening to you. 
And then your friend gets caught in a bad marriage and you watch what he's doing. You go, oh, I get it. Okay. It's like that. We got a bad marriage going on here. We're not alone because this battle between humanism and faith is worldwide. Worldwide. Probably why they said preach the gospel to every living person on the planet. So everybody had a chance to choose wise, wicked, simple, or he who hath no capacity to inquire. Pick your door, okay? So you preach that gospel, everybody everybody can check out the real situation. So this is going on in Israel. And as I go into this uh, next few minutes about Israel, okay? This is not to trigger a bunch of anti-Semitism or a bunch of, I'm not doing this to be, I'm just doing my best to show some things and talk about some things that are really pertinent because it's like a, a Petri dish that we can study, like a study really clearly what's going on in our own society and realize that this is a worldwide phenomenon and start to figure out these groups. Because once you, you know, once you check out the real situation and we start to speak the truth, the whole thing starts to get clear, right? Tanner, this uh, piece on Buchenwald, this, this is not fun. Uh, viewer discretion is advised. Here's a woman that went I, to Buchenwald. I, as a member of parliament, with nine others, visited Buchenwald concentration camp. Some people believe that the reports of what happened there are exaggerated. No words could exaggerate. We saw and we know. Stop we it for a second, would you? Now, the most conspiratorial among us would say she's an actress. Okay, but I'm going to say, going into this, that I have seen and experienced this myself. So I'm a living record of having people talk to me about this. Please continue. ...freely with internees and to hear their stories. You will now see a few of the sights we saw, and much as they may shock you, do believe me when I tell you that the reality was indescribably worse than these pictures. You cannot photograph suffering, only its results. In pictures you have no smell of disease and death. Here you see no more than a fragment of the full pattern of horror. When they had died, they were either burnt in these ovens or thrown like vermin into large communal pits. There's the ovens. They're showing the ovens. Were they burned? General people? Eisenhower is now giving each victim as he dies a reverent burial. Many of the mourners are very sick men. On the day before our visit, the deaths had been reduced to 35 during the day. Several nationalities and types, many of them intellectual and highly gifted men and women, were heard in, in unspeakable conditions 
which have entirely altered their appearance. We lost the sound there. These are pictures of survivors. Um, In some survivors. camps, I'm told, liberated slaves turned against their guards and attacked their quarters. In some places, German civilians have been compelled to remove the bodies from more recent pits and help give them individual burial. In other cases, it's only possible to dig large trenches in which to inter the vast number of dead found in the camps. Here again, German civilians are forced to do the digging. This is Belsen, another center of brutality, starvation and disease. You see our troops moving in. It is these men who so strongly advocate the publication of these pictures which show only in small part what they see in reality. That's good. That's enough. We get it. Um, that was, you know, if you want to talk about an opinion about conspiracy, well, you know, the world was caught in a conundrum. I mean, that happens. You know a conundrum? Damned if you do, damned if you don't. Uh, you know, not bringing forth that information would have been dishonorable to the death, the dead. It would have dishonored the memory of the dead and covered up a crime that was so ghastly in its uh, inception and so rooted in Darwinism that um, it had to be brought out. It had to be brought out. And for those of us that were around that blast zone, it is such a massive effect in our personal lives. But, you know, it says the sins of the fathers are visited onto the sons and daughters onto the, I think, third and fourth generation. So when you have a, you know, a bomb go off like that, it reverberates through time. And um, had they not told the people it was wrong, but telling the people had such a terrible effect on, on the Jewish people and on people in general, because in the post-war period, here was the question. How could a loving God allow the Holocaust? It's kind of like asking some people to calculate pi to the last digit. They just go mad trying to figure that out, right? So if you were there, let's say, like my mother and father, you're young adults, right? And you experience this reality when you're conscious and grown, and nobody can shield you from it because it hits your life like a bomb. You're in it, okay? It's part of who you are. can lose your faith, right? You ask yourself that question, how could a loving God allow the Holocaust? And the answer is going to be, there is no loving God, which only, the magician's trick, only strengthens humanism. Because then you get this huge influx of very moral 
and motivated people into the political process to use their humanity to create a morality and a framework upon which such atrocities could never happen again. And that's the post-war period. That's the post-World War II Democrat liberal order, and that is the positive, loving sentiment that so many people, their hopes and dreams into this global governance idea that would bastion the world against the atrocities of the Holocaust ever again. They're just wrong. They were just wrong. I mean, they shot their best shot. They were shell-shocked, okay? So when your mind's not working right and you're traumatized, the magicians can just come in and poof and erect an opportunity for you and you'll just glom onto it because without faith, you're lost, just lost. And right into the human intellect they went, they strengthened the very Darwinist uh, sentiment that they reject Okay, we're, we're getting out there today. I mean, I know we're out there, and I hope you're staying with me, and I'll try to come back to it. Because what they did was they strengthened the very thing they abhorred. That's the kind of shit a magician sets up, a trickster, a manipulator. We have to be wise. Wise. We have to be simple like children in our heart, but we have to be wise so that we are not tricked anymore. We have to get this over with. This business model is going back a long ways, and it really affected the Jewish people and the people of the world generally. People lost faith. They lost faith. So where there was this huge in-migration into Israel, because, you know, the Jews, you know, they had this Zionist thing going on, and Zionism was really not anything to do with faith. It was a Marxist movement. Again, the intellect of man, because look, these Jews looked at their lives in Europe. They were poor. Their lives sucked, right? They saw the cities and all these modern, all the technique of the modern industrial age, you know, uplifting the lives of the people in the city. And the Jews are living out in the country, you know, poor. You know, outdoor plumbing, no electricity, one cow. You know, they just weren't in on it, right? They didn't want to be in on it. They wanted to spend their lives, you know, in prayer and in faith. They just, they live in the natural way. No different than a Chinese mystic, right? That's what Judaism is. It's a nature religion. People just don't know it. Because of these Marxists. You know, my son, the Marxist. Okay, uh, he decided he wanted to get involved in the political process cut his hair, take off his villain, put on a suit, and get a job in town. Just like the people in China are doing. All those farmers out in the countryside, they all got factory jobs. Same thing. Not the first time. And uh, these, these, these people were Marxists because, of course, they were opposed to the crown and the alliance of the crown and the church because they viewed that as the oppression. They viewed their parents' religiosity as their oppression, because their parents accepted poverty because you cannot serve two masters. You'll choose one or the other. They chose God. They left the money out of it. It wasn't important to them. And some of us live like that to this very day. 
In fact, I get a lot of crap around my campfire. You don't care about money, do you? No. You're stupid. Yeah. Okay, I am when it comes to that. So um, they lost their faith. They were Marxists. I mean, they were already Marxists and Zionists before the war. They were trying to get the state of Israel established for a long time before the war. But when people saw those scenes from Buchenwald, okay, and they didn't really want these Jews back in Europe, they just clipped six million of them out. The, really, they didn't want to be there. Like I said, my Ukraine privileges are revoked. I can't go back there. Why would I want to? They killed my family, okay? I don't want to go back to the Ukraine. And that's what generally happens. You know, they hung 50 Nazis, right? They were 50 scapegoats. But this was a society-wide, like it's going on in our society. It's a society-wide worldview, like it's going on right here. Right here. When I go to my meeting tonight, right here, okay? This kind of society-wide thing. And it generated here $32 trillion in debt, and we're on the verge of nuclear war. But then it generated the Holocaust. So they really didn't want to go back there. It was mutual. Mutual. So what are we going to do with these survivors? Because, you know, everybody has a little bit of sympathy for something like that, right? They went two places, New York City and Israel, okay? Most of the non-religious ones went to Israel, because let me give you a shock. The religious ones don't believe that they can live in the land of Israel until the Messiah comes. Another, we could spend an hour and a half on that one. Because, you know, the Messiah was here, right? So they missed that one, which gets their train a little bit off the track. But they came to the United States, and uh, they came to Israel, the real Marxist ones, and they set up kind of a Marxist socialist country called Israel, which became independent in 48. The United States was the first to, you know, uh, recognize Israel, and Israel became the linchpin of globalism because the global governance came together, that, that, that the start of global governments, right at when they were rebuilding the global institutions around materialism, which was world trade, right? They were rebuilding the world institutions around humanism, that was the post-World War II democratic liberal order. When they were rebuilding this, the first thing they did, when I say they, I mean our leadership, they backed Israel's play. So we had a Marxist group in Israel, and they established a ragtag country, and miracles happened, and they were miracles because these people were outgunned and outnumbered and ragtag. And they fought a war of independence just like our outgunned and outnumbered patriots here in this country in 1776. Same kind of a deal. Outgunned and outnumbered. But what they had was an intense focus and intentionality on being free. They wanted to be independent, and they were willing to die because they'd just been the victims of genocide. What did they have to lose? And that's the power of that will to survive. And then, of course, the religious Jews came in there. 
because you can't leave when when the, when the in the sixty seven war, Israel took control of Jerusalem. Okay, that is Zion. Those of you who have only heard Zion in the Matrix, that's the center of faith. Interesting when you watch the Matrix, looks like they're having some pretty bitching orgies in there, kind of anti-Zion. But hey, you know what? That's another podcast. Zion was the seat of faith. Okay? That's when they talk about the shining city on the hill, that's it. Zion. And when the Israeli army, which was a secular Marxist army in 1967 in the Six-Day War, beat the Jordanians and took control of Jerusalem, the religious Jews poured into Israel. They really didn't want to be there. They were in New York City. They did not believe that it, they had the right, A, to subjugate the Palestinians because they're Jews. Another conversation. Let me disavow some people of some very racist and anti-Semitic thinking. The religious did not want to be there because they do not believe that one race is superior and another is inferior. That's Darwinism, okay? Now, are there Darwinisms? Is that a problem in the community now? It's everywhere. Let's not be blaming anybody in particular. Darwinism is everywhere. It's the matrix. We're in the matrix of Dar- We're in that matrix, okay? That's what that movie's about. We're in the matrix of Darwinism. We have a new creation myth a new religion, a new world order. But the religious didn't want to be involved in the subjugation of other people because that's anti-God. We don't have any slavery. We don't treat people with disrespect. That's just wrong. Treat other people as you wish to be treated. That's very simple, right? Unless you intend to win. I mean, if your orientation is you want to be an, you know, an empire, it's a different deal, right? So they didn't go there. But when the, when the Marxists took over Jerusalem, and they were Marxists, those religious people said, whoa, we got to get in there and take care of the holy places, or these people will ruin it. And that's where we are today in Israel. We're at the, we're at the fault line of a battle that's been building up since the inception of the country and all the way back to the desert, okay? I mean, this, this fight goes back all the way. But we're in the middle of it now. So uh, could you please play for me, Tanner, this clip from France 24? There is a strong turnout, uh, not a million, <laughs> but um, Israeli police say something like 100,000, perhaps more, have turned out. They were bussed in from all over the country. It was quite an investment of funds in making sure they got there, something between one and a half and two million euro was spent on tonight. So it was an important, it was important to the right wing to put on this show of support and strength, but support for these reforms. And people there were saying, we are the majority. We are 64 seats out of an 120 seat parliament. uh, And this is what we want to enact. And why can't we? We feel, they say, that the Supreme Court is always stopping us and now we want to change the court and we can't do that either. So that was the theme of the evening, why this, why this action is, is needed. Uh, and it was very much a right-wing performance. You know, it was Jewish settlers from the West Bank and it was right-wingers who were bust in. It wasn't all the Likud. Okay, there is just looking at uh, who's who's there and who's not. Just tell us a little bit more about uh, the, the notable uh, presences and absences. 
I think it's interesting that the man behind this was the man behind the legislation. The, from the same party as the Prime Minister, the Likud Minister of Justice, Yariv Levine. So he was there calling on people to come, you know, really pushing tonight's protest. Then we have his second-in-command from the settler party, Simcha Rotman. He was there. All the settler uh, politicians are there and they're all speaking. Who's not there? Uh, Israel's Prime Minister, Benjamin Netanyahu, was not slated to speak. Other Liberal members of the Likud, the party he leads, including the Defence Minister and other ministers, not there either. So you see that there was this, this kind of division even within this government. And perhaps it's a sign that Benjamin Netanyahu understands that he has to walk back some of these reforms because of the pressure internally and as well, the pressure, of course, internationally, for Israel not to go down a road that might lead it um, into something closer to a dictatorship than to a democracy. That's good. Well, that's a great line, right? The final line, the punchline, the pressure internationally to keep Israel from going down the road that would lead it from a democracy to a dictatorship. Oh, boy, this, this is rich. And again, I'm not into this, I'm not into some kind of a rant on Israel. This is just looking at what's going on in the world and checking out the real situation. Let's talk about what's going on here because it's not dissimilar from our own country. It's very similar to the politics here in the United States, right? And then we always say that we share the same values. So guess what? We do. You know, I think it was uh, Richard Nixon who started talking about the silent majority. So let's go back into our history. Lyndon Johnson, great Dixiecrat. Let's go way back as we rebrand our party. The Democrat Party, the Democrat, is the enslaver. He was the enslaver. Before the Civil War, this is the party of the plantation, the Democrat Party. He was the enslaver, and he is the enslaver, because the Democrat believes in policies that shackles the people to dependency and unwellness. They've just, the Democrat has transferred the ownership of slaves from the private sector to the public sector. That's the Democrat plan. That's what they do. You say, no, think about it. I'm thinking about it. That's what they've done. Okay, we start talking like this, telling the truth. The Democrat shackles the people to policies that make them dependent and unwell. Truth? Not a lie. It's not fenced that way. They don't sell it that way, but when you stop listening to what they say and look at what the outcome is, we're all dependent and we're pretty unwell. I would say on the Virgin Nuclear War is kind of a symptom of being quite ill, okay? So, you know, it was Nixon, 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 started talking about the silent majority, and then we go back and we got these enslavers going all the way back the party of enslavement, the party of the Ku Klux Klan, the party of the Dixiecrats salt, the party of, you know, separate, separation of blacks, the party of United States apartheid, you know, racism. That's the Democrat Party. What's the Republican Party? We're not the party of the racists. We're the party of, the, of freedom and well-being and, 
and love one for another, uh, amongst ourselves, one for another. So, you know, when Johnson aligned himself, because the best way to control the opposition is get out in front of it. So there was this growing movement, Malcolm X and Martin Luther King, and the, you know, this growing movement to, to bring about a, a healing of this deep social inequity that you know, was the fallout from you know, slavery. They just said, let's get out in front of it and lead it, okay? And we'll put these people on the public payroll. And Johnson knew when he did that, he was going to lose the South. Because previously the South was completely Democrat, and then it became Republican. And that's one of the roots of our problems here and why the Republican Party needs rebranding, because those Southern racists were so pissed off at the Democrats for allowing integration to happen, that they flipped. And that happened everywhere in the party. And we got to sort that out. Well, that's what's going on in, in, in Israel, too, which we're going to get to. So this, you know, the, you know, Nixon came up with the, first started out with the, you know, the silent majority. The silent majority. Not these liberal humanist hippies in the street that are violating every rule with the, you know, the drugs and the, you know, promiscuous, promiscuity and the, you know, trying to tear the system. No, they were Marxists. They were humanists. They were the shock troops. No, it's, we're going to go to the silent majority. And who are those people? They're the people that are quietly living their lives on religious principles and hard work and creating wealth and creating families. The silent majority. And that became the religious right. It was weaponized by the Republican Party. They made a deal. The humanists, the neocons, who run the Republican Party, and that's who they are, and that's who they've been for a very long time, going back to Richard Nixon. A Republican opens China, takes the United States off the gold standard, and starts the Environmental Protection Agency, and he's a Republican. Sure. He's a Darwinist, okay? He's a humanist, and these people will use either party to achieve their goals. They do not care what they'll use. Liberalism, they'll use Nazism. They'll use communism. They'll use socialism. They don't care what they use to achieve their goal, and their goal is the new world order, a new religion. So they, they cut a deal. They incorporate, you know, the best way to control the opposition is to lead it. So the, the Darwinists, the humanists in the Republican Party, the neocons, the people that believe in science, in stockpiling enough nuclear weapons to kill everybody, those guys that want to blame young women. So they don't, eh, trick, don't look over here. Look at this one poor woman who's 20 years old and doesn't want to have that kid. Oh, she's a bad person. Let's focus everything on this person. What a great message. Anyhow. Uh, they made a deal, the Republican Party and the religious right. Because nobody in the Democrat Party believes in God. They went all in on secular humanism over in that. Well, they were always all in on it. There's enslavers. Come on. They're the people that own the slaves, started the KKK, and create policies that keep people enslaved. They're not people of faith. They don't believe in the dignity of human life 
or the worth of every person. They just don't believe in it. We're inventory to them. That's just a fact, okay? I don't want to be, uh, uh, I don't want to say any more about it. I mean, just you have to, you got to check out the real situation. You cannot know the truth until you find it yourself. Some of you are going to think I'm crazy. Great. Please go do the research. It's not hiding. It'll hit you in the head like a brick, okay? Uh, they made that deal. What's going on in Israel? They got a neocon group over there. Neocons. They're everywhere. It's called the Likud Party. It's the party of Menachem Begin, who was a Marxist revolutionary who carried arms and killed British soldiers. Okay? We're talking about a badass. So this is not religious people. This goes back to the Irgun, which was the secret society of killers that, you know, that's the bedrock of, uh, you know, the political parties in Israel. Killers. These are not religious people. That's the Likud party, like the Republican party. Same. Both of them made deals with the religious parties, okay? But there's a difference. We've been watering down our religion here in the United States. It's very similar, but a little different. Our religion's getting watered down and watered down and watered down. People aren't going to... Tanner, do you go, does your generation go to church? No. My young producer, Tanner, no, they don't go. Probably thinks I got a horn growing out of my head talking like this. Because nobody talks to the kids like this. They don't get this kind of education. They learn about Darwin. In Israel, that group that, when they saw those Marxist Jews, anti-Jews, secular Jews, secular humanist Jews, oh, Great, that kind of says it all, right? Secular humanist Jews, non-religious Jews with weapons, take over Jerusalem, Zion. They poured in there because, you know, that's the holy site. These people are very, very ultra-religious, and I'm not going to say they're not cultists. There are a lot of cultists in there, and Darwin is cultists, religionists. This is not a simple, you know, one one session program here. This is this is this is deep water. Goes all the way back. You know, if the water lasts for five thousand years, well go look at the Grand Canyon. It's a deep hole, okay? That's what we're dealing with here. The Likud made a deal with these religious people because they wanted, you know, it's a parliamentary system. They have sixty four seats out of hundred and twenty. And these religious people, they're divided. You got the real religious people in there, I mean the real ones, right, that do not believe in subjugating the Palestinians, do not believe in a militaristic state. They believe in a messianic Israel. And that's really what's, you know, that's what's going on there. These people are true believers. And then you got a bunch of, you know, supremacist religious Jews that are expansionist. They want to take, and why? Because their population is exploding. See, this is kind of the anti-World Economic Forum people. This is the last of the Mohicans over here. These women, these religious women, they don't have one baby. They got 10. Their percentage of population is growing every year in Israel. Every year. And Israel has a lot of symbolic significance to the whole Western world, right? Hate it, love it. You're paying to defend it. I'm paying to defend it. Interesting, isn't it? 
I mean, when I when I think about this stuff, I'm just in awe of the whole. I'm just in awe of the whole thing. The system is just phenomenal. This is the fault line. They're having the same battle there that we're having here. It's just easier to see. These black-hatted religious Jews that are in league with the neocons, okay? Just like we got the religious right here in, in league with the neocons. Okay, over there in Israel, they're fighting to take control of the steering wheel, the religious. And how are they doing it? Children, they'll be up in 2065, I think, to 35% of the population. And the population of Israel is going to grow from 10 million to 20 million people. Okay? Wow. That's a lot of people over there. A lot of development. Here's what they're fighting about. They don't have the kind of depth of a government that we do. Well, you know what? Let's let, you know who's leading the charge here against these black hats? The infamous Yoval Noah Harari. You know, Tanner, why don't we just let him do the talking? Because he's going to explain it so well. He does a great job of it. This self-correcting mechanism. You know, every organism to survive needs strong. People are trying to establish a dictatorship here. That's what's going on. It may look, sound a bit exaggerated, because we are used to dictatorship being established you know, with tanks in the streets firing on people. But in history, very often, dictatorships are established by people signing papers behind closed doors. And by the time uh, we understand the implications, it's too late to resist. And to understand the current situation in Israel, there is really just one simple question that people need to ask. What limits the power of the government. In other countries, like in the US, you have many, many uh, 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 limitations, checks and balances. You have the House of Representatives, the Senate, the President, the Constitution, the Supreme Court, the federal system with 50 states. In Israel, there is just Can you stop one it for a second? Ring. No, see, he's, he, this is another scam. The humanists are in control of everything but the House of Representatives and most of the House of Representatives are humanists. So they're in total control of the entire structure. See, he's a magician. This Yuval Noah Harari is the magician's ma When you want to learn to become a magician, you take his classes. What is he worried about? He's worried about what are the limits on government. He is saying to the people, acting very rational, like a liberal, he's saying... We can't give these religious people control of the government. But at the same time, his organization and people like him have control of all the governments. Please continue. And that's the Supreme Court. That's it. We don't have a constitution. We don't have a Senate. We don't have a federal system. And now the government is trying to gain control of the Supreme Court. Stop. This is the fight. They have a, they have a process, political process over there. He's drawing out all these things like, oh, they don't have this. They don't. No, they've got their own culture. He is speaking to us to gain our support, just like that reporter was. Well, if we keep going down this road, we're going to go from democracy to dictatorship. No, that's a magician's trick. They're telling us a lie. What we're going to go from in Israel, because these black hats know who these people are. They're not confused. See, again, 
we buy into propaganda as if it's the truth. In Russia, in China, and in Israel, the citizens are far less propagandized and understand the battle that's going on here much more clearly. The battle is against these globalists. Yuval Noah Harari is leading the anti-government protests. This guy is the sine qua non of globalists. He is the number one philosopher of science for the World Economic Forum. This guy is an important guy. His predecessor was also important, Bertrand Russell. This guy is telling us what's going on. He's not talking to the Israeli public. He's talking to us here to gain support. Please continue. Once it does it, there is no limitation on its power. Nothing. And Stop. They, they want unlimited power. That's why we're politically involved. He, this is classic Saul Alinsky. Blame the other side for what you want. What he's afraid of, and he's acting afraid, okay? He's afraid that the religious people in Israel, now that they're in control of the government, are going to change the nature of Israel from Marxist, secular humanist to a country where faith is important. Let him continue. He's going to talk all about it. Already prepared or talking about dozens of laws that will discriminate against Muslims, against Christians, against secular people, against women, against LGBT people. They are just, the only thing that prevents this anti-democratic flood at present is the Supreme Court. They are just waiting to gain control of it and the flood will come. Expansionist aims. We, nobody wants to get it. We need to stop it. This is not really just about Israel. You know, for people who care about Israeli democracy or about the Jewish people, they, they, they are deeply concerned about events here. But this should be of great concern for everybody. Stop, please. He can't, you know, even a magician screws up. He's actually drawing attention to this. He's saying, see, they, if you look online, if you try to look for this fight, this, is the, this battle is as big as the Ukraine deal, okay? But it's not covered at all because this is a spiritual battle. And he's actually drawing attention to it, and he's, he's saying, look, this is all over the world. Sometimes the magicians, if he was really a magician one notch better, he wouldn't make such a big deal out of this, okay? But he's blowing it up big because he knows this is the battle worldwide. Continue, please. In the U.S., in Europe, elsewhere, whatever your views about Israel and, and, and the Jewish people, because if Israel becomes an undemocratic dictatorship, if it, if it becomes this new extremist re regime, it will not be anything like Hungary. Hungary is a member of the European Union. It has limitations because of that. Hungary does not uh, hold millions of people under occupation. Hungary doesn't, is not involved in an active military confrontation with nearby countries. Hungary doesn't have nuclear weapons. It doesn't have advanced cyber Stop, weapons. Stop, please. So his argument is, is because Israel is a very advanced uh, country from a scientific perspective, can do a lot of damage, we can't give that power to the people who live with the sanctity of life as their most important concept. Magicians scam. He's saying don't take the power to kill away from the people who are Darwinists who believe that killing is justified if we win, don't do that. Trust us with the power. 
don't give it to those people that live their lives with sanctity and with respect for all living things. Now, those don't trust them with the weapons. Go ahead. Israel um, uh, is, is completely different. It holds millions of people under occupation. It, it is involved in this large-scale conflict. It has nuclear weapons. It has one of the strongest armies in the Middle East. Uh, it has cyber weapons that can strike anywhere in the world. If this kind of power falls into the hands of an autocratic regime, which is also a fundamentalist religious regime with expansionist aims. Can we stop? Fundamentalism, judgment, primitive ju labeling. He's labeling. This is the magician labeling, labeling and labeling and labeling over and over again. These people are not stupid. They're not anti-democratic. It's just like right here in Minnesota. I'm not anti-democratic. I'm not autocratic. I'm not a mutineer. I was called a mutineer. I'm not a mutineer. I'm an American citizen. These people are Israeli citizens. They're working within the Israeli political process, and they won. And he's freaking out because he lost. Well, you know, as they, I think it was Obama said, elections have consequences. Please continue. And with this belief in Jewish supremacy, it will set the whole Middle East on fire. Evening. I, I was teaching at university all day. I came back home. It was like 8.30, 9 in the evening. If Netanyahu had retired after two terms in office or after, say, eight years, I think even though I didn't like many of the things he did, I, th I think he would have retired. Stop again. Okay, another magician's trick. He said, you know what, I didn't agree with him, but he would have been a great man. You know, he set Netanyahu, Netanyahu up to be a cad because he's made this Likud uh, alliance with the right. And let's just stop this, you know, Tom, and we're just going to continue. Now, I'm just going to finish up. This is going to have to go on, understanding this. I'm going to work on it, and I, I hope you can work on it with me because it tells us everything that's going on here in the United States. It's the same fight. You have a, a, a uh, confederation of non-religious, secular humanists. That's the core, Marxists, the original people that were in Israel who have controlled the Supreme Court. Because listen to this. If you're a Supreme Court justice in Israel, you get to pick your replacement. So these people go back to the way back, and they're Marxists. So the Marxists are controlling the court. That's the limit on the growing power of the people of faith. So you've got Darwinists, humanists, secular humanists, no faith in God, controlling the court, and a growing we the people of nationalists and people of faith, and they're throwing down. So the people that are fighting for that court, Harari, the leader, who's, you know, that's the World Economic Forum. You got all the press. You got all the governments of the world. Because, you know, how the people are coming down on this tells you who they are. You know, everybody has uh, got an opinion on this one, if you read around on the Internet. But you got, uh, you know, the, the, the non-religious, the anti-religious, the Marxists, the women, because they're worried about women's rights. You've got the, um, uh, the you know, as he said, the, the, the uh, alternative lifestyle crew. They're worried they're going to be judged against. And they formed, and they're shutting Israel down. And, the, of course, the military and the Mossad is not under the control of the Likud, even though they rep represent that kind of thinking. 
because they're part of the international brotherhood of secret societies, right? You know, the secret agencies, they're all in on it together. We're all inventory to these people. And the Israelis have one of the most, uh, you know, efficient and effective secret societies called the Mossad. I mean, that's a, a CIA on steroids. So, you know, the the issue here is this this is a a petri dish. We need to watch how this turns out. It'll help us understand what's going on in our own country. It's the epic and clearly defined battle between the secular humanists and the people of faith. That's much more disguised here in this country. Uh, and that's because we don't have that much faith left here. But those people that went back to defend the holy sites to live in Zion, they're quite religious. They're quite devoted to their faith in God in a way that I don't think Americans can understand, to be frank with you. Uh, something else we'll we'll look forward to talking about. So I covered a lot of ground today, and uh, I'm going to wrap it up. I'm just going to say it, it it's... Uh, it's fun to talk with you. I, uh, I will, and we're going to set up opportunities to talk back and forth. And uh, we're going to be absolutely committed to the truth. And we're going to keep searching for it. We're never going to be so arrogant as to think we know truth. But we're going to keep searching for the truth and pulling back these magician tricks because the truth is going to set us free to know where we're really at. And when we know the situation we're in, hey, we got a shot. So I'll, I'll close with this. We the people just attacked the nuclear power as far as that, that group of people is, is concerned. They don't think about the Ukrainians. They think it's the United States of America. So if we're going to live, we're going we're gonna to wake up. And it's time for leaders to lead and followers to follow her. And the other people need to get out of the way because this is now a matter of life and death. It's not a game. It's the real deal. So thank you, and uh, I look forward to seeing you next week. Communicate with me, and I, I wish you a beautiful day of well-being and rest. Thank you very much.